Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace, your mercy that is new for us every morning. We thank you for waking us up in this beautiful, sunshiny day, Lord. We ask that you would speak to us now. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to you and open your word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Almost started singing that prayer, this beautiful, sunshiny day. Um, Anyway, uh, we are still in the early stages of our walk through Luke's gospel this year. We're going to be in Luke all year long. And uh, even now, though, as we're just in chapter four, as any good storyteller would, Luke has already laid out the main characters for us and what's at stake in this account that he has written. We've met our hero in Jesus, and we have met our villain, or our villains, I should say, in the devil, and then in us as well. Our part in the play is complicated, right? Uh, Because we are both villains and victims in this story. We're the ones that Jesus came to save. We are the ones that he came uh, to rescue. And at the same time, as we saw last week in our passage, we are against him as well in the way that he came to save us. We have Stockholm Syndrome, right? Uh, where we have fallen in love with our captor. We have actually begun to trust the devil and believe that his ways and his lies are actually the way things really are. As we heard last week, we are not neutral beings. We're compromised. We're brainwashed, if you will. And uh, this is not often the result of a conscious decision. Waterdeep, again, my favorite band, listen to Waterdeep. Waterdeep sings about this in their song, On the Way to Crazy. They say, almost no one slides on purpose. No one sells their soul for free. Once we love the things that hurt us, we're on our way to crazy. Once we love the things that hurt us, we're on our way to crazy. And this is where we are. You know, once we love the things that hurt us. Um, Jesus breaks into our world, as we've been hearing through Luke, and he comes to proclaim good news to the poor. This is what we heard uh, last week. He comes to proclaim good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to bring sight to the blind. And he means us. He means us. We, we often want to think of the poor, uh, you know, as the poor panhandlers down uh, when you're turning onto East Bay Street, right? Um, they, need you, they need your help, Lord, for sure. Or we want to think of the, the widows or um, the lonely and say that they really need your comfort, Jesus. Or we want to think about people who attend recovery groups, right? The real addicts. They need real help. They need to be saved. Or possibly people starving in Africa or people with the coronavirus in China, whatever it might be. These are the people we have to think of, you know, uh, when Jesus describes... Uh, poor and captive and blind and we think they really need to be saved and it's true that they do but so do we we need the year of the Lord's favor Jesus came to save us because we are just as far gone we are just as desperate in fact you could argue that we are even more desperate because we often don't even see our affliction we don't even know where our struggle is half the time. We've gotten so good at covering it up, right? Of numbing out to it. 
and because we, we have so many more resources to cope with our, our pain. And those things often blind us to ourselves. And we say things like, let's not talk about that. That is so unpleasant. You know, let's just watch Netflix and pour another glass of wine. Nobody in here does that, right? I mean, every single night of the week, you know? I mean, that's, that's the reality. It's, that's what's normal now. Everybody in Mount Pleasant is doing this every night. They are binge-watching Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, whatever it is, and they're usually pairing it with some, their favorite uh, alcoholic beverage. Um, but this is what happens. This is what we call living now. Have you thought of that? This is what we call living. Just constantly plugged in. We're lulled into never feeling anything ever. And there's nothing wrong with watching Netflix here and there. As you know, I tend to watch uh, movies and uh, cite them in my sermons. But uh, it's just this, this has become so normal. This has become such a practice of ours because on one level, we just don't think things can get any better. You know, we think that this is the best there is and we're doing the best to live with life as it is and kind of cope with our exhaustion. And Netflix and, you know, and wine feels like a good idea. Um, Now, you might be wondering, why is Sean even taking this approach? You know, what is he, did he just get up on the wrong side of the bed? Uh, Is he kind of grumpy this morning? Uh, Why is he talking about this, talking about numbing out, when Luke is telling us about demons and illnesses? and things like that. Well, the reason is because when we read about the demonic, often in Scripture, uh, and we read about spiritual warfare in the Bible, it is very easy for us uh, to kind of distance ourselves from it. We live in 2020, right? In arguably the most advanced society in human history, and we don't think these kinds of things happen in our world today. If we're honest, we're not sure that they ever really did happen. We've got a little bit of skepticism somewhere inside, you know, that Luke and the other writers of the Bible uh, just didn't really know what they were looking at. You know, maybe they were dealing with some kind of mental illness or something, you know, psychological ailment, and they just chalked it up to the demonic because they they didn't understand. They were living in a more primitive society. This is one of the things we love to do. Every age loves to look back on the other ages with an incredible amount of arrogance, not thinking about the fact that they are only there because those other people existed and got them there. But anyhow, it's our typical defense mechanism. We don't like to be confronted with the supernatural. And there's, you guys know the reason why. I talk about it all the time. It's because it's out of our control. It scares us. The supernatural is literally supernatural. We deal with the natural often, and we don't like that concept. We don't like to even think about the fact often that we are spiritual beings as well as physical. And so we defend ourselves from the fact that we may need something uh, as drastic as deliverance in our lives. So this tendency to dismiss the biblical witness begins to fall flat, though, when we remember Luke. Luke was not an intellectual slouch. He was a physician, right? Luke was a physician himself. He was a doctor, and he recounts this fact that these demons were actually speaking. They made themselves known when they were confronted by Jesus. So it seems a little bit more than mental illness. Okay? And Luke is pointing out 
this reality because he cares so much about people being healthy. He cares about people being healed, and he knows that this is beyond his medicine. The interesting thing, though, is that our affliction, our affliction, doesn't often look like this, right? And that's what makes it, I think, all the more insidious, is that we don't even see it. Remember, it's the Stockholm Syndrome. We don't even recognize that we're prisoners anymore. We're slowly descending into numbness and isolation as a culture. We're getting lost in our screens. We're getting lost in our work. We're getting lost in our wealth. We're getting lost in our sexual rights or our sexual fluidity or whatever it is. We're descending into uh, this reality where our ability to have true intimacy, true intimacy between each other and with God, is becoming more and more difficult for us. It's becoming more and more sabotaged. It reminded me of a great line, of course, from a movie. Uh, Here you go. Uh, From The Usual Suspects. All right? It's a classic crime movie from 1995, and it stars Kevin Spacey, and it's before all all of his scandals. But uh, in it, it's a great movie. In it, uh, he says... The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. That's where we are in our culture. We don't believe in all the spiritual mumbo jumbo. You know, we're we're enlightenment people. We're children of the enlightenment. We've got irrational thinking minds. We've got science. You know, our scientific worldview. This is what we defend ourselves against uh, the spiritual realm with. But if you were to go to many other cultures in the world, you would find that they have no problem with the idea of spiritual warfare or the reality of the spirit world. You'd even find that in different cultures in our own country. This is true. Kate and I have experienced it ourselves. Um, The existence of the devil and demons is not something that people uh, just kind of dismiss out of hat. The truth is the world hasn't really fundamentally changed since Jesus walked the earth. People haven't really changed. Um, We're dealing with the same things. As as, uh, scriptures say, there's nothing new under the sun. The difference is, just as we have more resources now to cope with our pain and our brokenness, so does the enemy have more resources now to hide behind. The devil has more resources to hide behind, to convince us that he's not there. And so we just truck along without a thought about him slowly descending, as I said, into numbness and isolation. That's what I see as the number one symptom of the enemy's work in our culture, is numbness and isolation. And that is what we are just slowly going into. And we do it in the name of community. You know, we do it in the name of connection. And I'm not just coming down on devices and things like that, but they are certainly a tool that can totally take all our attention away. And we can get consumed with them. And uh, we're just we're be- becoming more and more fractured as a society. And that's the goal of the enemy. He wants you to feel alone, and he wants you to feel frag- fragmented, to feel disconnected. C.S. Lewis wrote an amazing book called The Screwtape Letters, which I highly recommend to you if you have not read it yet, The Screwtape Letters. And uh, it's about a senior demon 
named Screwtape, writing to his demon in training, his underling, uh, named Wormwood. And in it, Lewis unpacks and reveals uh, what are many of the devil's tactics today in the modern world and now in our postmodern world. And he shows uh, very clearly that the devil has gone under deep cover. If you want to read it, go read it. I'm telling you, it's not a long book. You'll love it. And at one point, Screwtape writes to Wormwood and says, The characteristic of pains and pleasures is that they are unmistakably real. And therefore, as far as they go, give the person who feels them a touchstone of reality. He's sitting there saying, he's telling Wormwood to keep us, keep the person, his man, he has a man that he's tormenting, okay? And he's telling him to keep your subject from feeling. Keep him from feeling pain or pleasure because that actually gets him in touch with reality. It wakes him up. Lewis is the one who famously said, pain is God's megaphone to a broken and hurting world, to a deaf and dying world. Pain is the way that God often gets to us. And so... Screwtape is telling him, don't let him feel. Keep him numbed out. Keep him distracted. Keep him thinking about and worrying about the future. You know, just don't let him be present with where he actually is and what he's actually dealing with. Most of the time, we're not sure, frankly, that we can deal with reality. Or at the very least, we don't want to deal with it. You know, uh, if we've got another option from, from having to feel what we're going through, we usually take it which is why our world is essentially built on consumerism and entertainment. I mean, that's what we, we live by. Our pains, they often overwhelm us, and we're not sure we can ever really face reality. We often feel powerless against it. And so we'd much rather run from it, and that's exactly what the enemy wants for us. And the truth is this. I said this a couple weeks ago. The truth is that we are powerless. We are powerless. And just like the demoniacs in Luke's gospel account, we are just as far gone. I'm not saying that we're possessed. Uh, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot be possessed. Praise God. This is true. But you can be persecuted. You can feel oppressed. And that's why we need our hero. This is why Luke is pointing to Jesus as the true physician. That's what this passage is about, chapter 4. He is pointing to Jesus uh, because Jesus has clear and real authority. That's the thing that he is highlighting in this gospel reading today. He wants us to see that Jesus is the one that can actually heal the things that are beyond our ability. He is the one that actually can and does heal the things that we can't heal ourselves. So the villains of the devil and our sin and death itself don't stand a chance. That's what Luke wants us to see from the very start. Luke uses the word rebuke. Jesus rebukes uh, three times in this passage. It's what he does against the demons and he does against the illness that uh, Peter's mother-in-law is feeling. He rebukes them. He's He's showing that they have no power against them, that they must obey his authority. And they know it. That's what we hear. The demons cry out. They cry out mockingly, but they know that he's the son of God and they must do what he says because they know they have no power over him. They can't resist him. It's showing that Jesus is actually the one who with just his words can heal 
all the things that we, all our ailments. And Luke wants us to see that it's a complete healing. It's not partial. He shows when the demon comes out of the one man, he falls down and there was no harm done to him. And when Peter's mother-in-law is healed, after he rebukes the illness from her, she gets up and serves right away because she feels that great. Completely healed. It's not like often our uh, attempts at healing where there's lingering symptoms or there's side effects. That's something when my dad had kidney failure, kidney disease when I was a teenager and had a kidney transplant. He's had two kidney transplants and thankfully this one has worked. Um, But one of the side effects of having a kidney transplant is you get diabetes. And so now he's been managing that for his whole life. So I mean, these are the realities. Thank God he's alive. But this is often our solutions often come with another problem. And what Luke is showing us is that Jesus brings healing that is complete and full. There's no side effect. He has authority over all creation. Jesus is our hero. And he can actually do what he proclaimed he would do. That's what we heard last week. I've come to to bring good news to the poor, set the captives free, bring sight to the blind. This is exactly what he does. He came to deal with your reality, too. Our reality. In fact, he already has. He has come for you. That's the message I hope we're hearing, is that Jesus has already come. He has already dealt with everything that could possibly be burdening you or ailing you right now. All of your sin, all of your brokenness, all of the pain you felt in your relationships, he has dealt with it. He's dealt with it on the cross definitively. And he's offering forgiveness. It is for us. He forgives you of your sin. And he's defeated the enemy once and for all. Jesus is powerful over all of the things we're afraid to face and afraid to feel. He's powerful over all the things that the enemy might be telling you in your sin. I don't know if you can relate to this. But the things that you think are too big for you or that are too big for anybody else, you know, if you were to ever really share them, if you were to ever really get honest about stuff or tell people how you really feel, you know, there's this message that that's just unpleasant or that nobody really wants to hear that or that you don't want to hear it, right? (laughs) I often don't want to face those things. But we're hearing from Luke that Jesus has the authority and the power to deliver you there. To deliver you from that fear. He's defeated your captor and he set you free. That's the good news. By his grace, he is going to continue to open your eyes and give you sight. To open our eyes, all of us, to the pain that we are dealing with. He's going to give us sight so that he can replace those lies that we believed, you know, that this is as good as it gets. He replaces those with his truth, with his promises. His promises to heal fully. That's the good news. This, this is not as good as it gets. In his grace, we have this promise that it's going to get much, much better. And we get to experience a lot of that now. And I just challenge you to to test them on it. <laughs> I mean, if you don't believe me, pray and ask the Lord to meet you in your pain. Ask him to meet you in your brokenness. Ask him to meet you in the place that you're scared of. 
And I promise you something, he's going to break in. It may not be how you expect, but he's going to start to open your eyes and he's going to start to bring healing in those places. He's going to start to show you how he's already there. He's already there. He's come with authority into your life to set you free, to bring healing for you. Let's Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are powerful, that you, Lord, can speak and heal. And Lord Jesus, that you have promised that that's exactly what you bring for us through your cross, that we are free in you, Lord, that you have forgiven us our sins, and that the enemy has no power in our lives because of you, that we can run to you no matter what we are dealing with. Lord, I pray that you would... uh, Help us to feel. Help us to engage with where we are um, so that we might actually touch reality and we might actually uh, get to know you in real ways, Lord. And I pray for your blessing on us. I pray that you would use us to share this good news with a world that wants to continually run and numb out. I pray, Jesus, that you would break in and use us to be messengers of that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.